This episode was brought to you by KeepOnSharing.com. They're calling themselves the first truly ethical social network. They'll share back 50% of their revenue with their users, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's free to register, and they never sell your information. You can list your products, events, and content for free. Adult content accounts, be gone. They're fun, positive, and encouraging sites supporting local business. In a day and age where social media sites, even well-established ones, are being brought to light left and right for their questionable and sometimes downright archaic business practices, KeepOnSharing.com is a well-needed breath of fresh air. While you can share personal content, news articles, or just about anything for fun and profit, the marketplace allows practically anyone to sell anything at any time from anywhere. But on this site, you are the boss. I cannot express how amazing it is that KeepOnSharing.com shares 50% of all revenue back with the users on top of having a truly transparent, supportive, and clean business model. Check them out. I'm signing up. Will you? Go ahead and meet me on there. Just go to KeepOnSharing.com. A link will be provided in this episode's description. I'm your host, Billy Dean Shoemate III. Yeah. Did you know that this one, episode 72, is the last episode of the second season of Strange Places? Isn't that wild? We're about to hit season three. That just freaks me out. I'm amazed that this thing is still going. <laughs> this started off as an experiment. And we're still clicking away, man. It's awesome. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor and DistroKid. Now, one of the most fun episodes I think I've done, one of the ones that I enjoyed the most, was the Polybius episode. And since then, I've been wanting to do another kind of internet, or not, not internet, but a video game thing. Video game, urban legend, video game, anything, you know, having to do with video games. I'm thinking, okay, Madden cover curse, which we'll get into eventually. There's a bunch of things like this been drowned, you know, that either go outside of the realm of creepypasta or give credence to one. And Lavender Town was one that kind of eluded me. I was always aware of it. But until I really started diving in it, I didn't realize just how deep <laughs> that hole went. So Lavender Town, which is where we're traveling, we're going to a fictional place today. It's one of the creepiest corners of the Pokemon universe, but some believe that the horrors of Lavender Town aren't limited to those classic games. Pokemon was a thing that kind of eluded me. I was at the right age for it, maybe just a tad older. Yeah, I had a Game Boy. <laughs> I watched cartoons. I'm a grown-ass man, still watch cartoons. But it was just uh, it was something I never got into. It was just something that... Um, I think you know, all the shrapnel just kind of flew past me. I couldn't tell you the difference between a Geodude and a car crash. But I understand its cultural impact. I respect it. It was just something I never got into. So 
This was one of the ones that really wasn't on my short list, but it interested me, and I started really looking into it. It's pretty freaky, this one. For the most part, what I learned is that the world of Pokemon is a happy-go-lucky place <laughs> where humans and wild, super-powered animals peacefully coexist relatively. However, those who know the franchise, they know it's filled with some dark corners and some pretty disturbing secrets which is what I want to explore today. Some of the franchise's Pokedex entries are basically condensed, like, X-Files episodes. <laughs> Certain subplots, such as a mission where Ditto replaces humans, feel torn from the pages of something Lovecraft would have come up with. Oh, and there's always Lavender Town. That place is just plain weird. The research for this one was way harder than probably any other episode I've done because Pokemon was not something I was into like ever. <laughs> and I'm not bashing it, but I think Pokemon's cool. It's just something I never caught the shrapnel flying by me, you know, but uh, yeah, the research was way harder because I knew absolutely nothing about Pokemon. So I hope I do all of you fans justice. So I'm going to tell you kind of, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to word this kind of like how I've learned in a journalistic way, what I've learned, right? While the franchise is full of scary locations, such as the old chateau and strange house, and some locations I've discovered going back and playing these games on my Game Boy emulator and say, <laughs> just to uh, get more inside of it, none have captured imaginations and terrified the crab crawler out of them, <laughs> quite like Lavender Town. This tiny village introduced audiences to the terrors that hid just beneath the surface of Pokemon's kid-friendly world. But more importantly, it inspired ghouls and ghoulettes across the world to create their own stories and rumors based on the haunted hamlet. Are any of them true? Well, in the northeastern corner of Kanto rests the small village of Lavender Town. This location is unexceptional, save for the giant tower nestled near its northern exit. The tower, which carries the oh-so-imaginative name of Pokemon Tower, is part of why Lavender Town has earned a sinister reputation both in the in-game world and in real life. Some people say that Lavender, itself, Lavender Town itself is cursed or haunted. Every town in a Pokemon game does serve a purpose, both from a gameplay perspective and a lore perspective. Lavender Town is a graveyard. To be more specific, the bodies of dead Pokemon are housed in the huge tower. You probably already know where this is going, and you'd be right. Local superstitions suggest that all of those bodies have apparently turned the tower into a powder keg of supernatural energy. Wild ghost-type Pokemon roam the upper floors... All the trainers in the tower are seemingly possessed until players smack some sense into them via battle. The tower's obviously haunted qualities clearly contribute to Lavender Town's supernatural reputation, but the village isn't just haunted by ghost type. Lavender Town also has its share of actual ghosts. Anyone who has played, and now I can count myself in here, <laughs> Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, or has seen the second episode of Pokemon Origins, knows about the Marowak at the top of Pokemon Tower, right? Not to be confused with the uh, uh, an Alolan Marowak, which is a part ghost type. The Tower's Marowak is a literal spirit that refuses to pass on. Speaking of that episode of Origins, 
most gamers who played the original Pokemon games probably remember the kid who tells players there's a white hand on their shoulder. Well, the anime takes that a bit further and actually places a white transparent hand over the main character's shoulder in a blink and you'll miss it scene. No explanation. <laughs> Just an Easter egg that more or less confirms ghosts exist in the world of Pokemon. While ghosts like animals and actual ghosts are scary enough, I think I would be remiss if we forgot the creepiest part of Lavender Town and what most people go to immediately when they talk about it. The music. The village's theme was composed long before the developers had the technology to convert, you know, orchestrated pieces into soundtracks. And before terms like you know, binaural audio were recognized by the gaming public. Rough edges aside, or perhaps maybe because of them, in my opinion, the Lavender Town song is an absolutely spine-chilling composition highlighted by sharp atonal notes. As a musician, this freaks me out. This goes against every rule of what I would put in, especially a video game you know, intended at children. The Lavender Town theme is arguably one of the scariest songs I've ever heard in a video game, and arguably one of the scariest songs in video game history, partially because it just comes straight out of left field in a game rated E. You know, the tune is so iconic that remixes in the sequels and remakes just don't measure up at all. Curiously, Lavender Town's music is also a significant part of one of the strangest and most terrifying urban legends in video game history. Indeed, that urban legend is a big part of the reason why Lavender Town stands out from nearly every other vague story location in Pokemon history due to the lasting legacy of a story that has haunted generations of fans. We love to be scared, right? But we don't always know why. Scientists probably couldn't even tell you. We enjoy experiences that make our hearts race, our brows sweat. Huh? Pulling the covers over your face your hands over your ears. That's why we go to haunted houses. We watch The Exorcist. We play Resident Evil. <laughs> we crave that high of being, um, that's why people listen to this thing, you know, of being terrified. We'll gladly seek out increasingly more terrifying works in order to capture that feeling that first alerted us to our desire to be scared. As I said in one of my, uh, the in introduction to one of my novels, horror is the chewy center of our intellectual chocolate. And I think that those who outwardly shun any kind of horror content, I think have the most depraved minds of them all behind closed doors. If the human imagination can create something as scary as Lavender Town, why can't it push the same concept even further? What I'm getting into, which you could probably deduce at this point, creepypastas, if you don't know what they are, Walk out of your hole for just a second. I'll give you a moment to feel the sunshine on you. You got it? Okay. Are basically internet urban legends, <laughs> typically horror-focused. Creepypastas earn their name from the way they usually originate as some kind of like short story that's copied and pasted the various parts of the interwebs. Many creepypastas come and go without ever catching the attention of all but... A few diehard internet users who seek things out on their own. However, there are some, most notably the Slender Man, which I do want to talk about on this show too. They take on a life of their own. Now, Lavender Town 
is linked to two prolific creepypastas. Lavender Town. Are you listening? Okay. Because <laughs> as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. <clears throat> Lavender Town Syndrome and White Hand. The first revolves around the original game soundtrack, predictably the famous Lavender Town theme. Legend has it that Japan experienced a spike in reported suicides and illnesses, specifically in children between the age of 7 and 12, after the release of Red and Green. According to an urban legend that grew into a creepypasta, they were linked to the theme of Lavender Town, as its high tones resulted in headaches and irrational, even suicidal behavior. What does that remind you of? Very polybius, isn't it? It's almost to the letter. Pretty weird. It's almost the same story happening again, you know. Pokemon's developers reportedly lowered the frequency of the song's notes in subsequent versions to prevent future outbreaks. Sounds ridiculous, right? <laughs> Perhaps, but it's important to remember that in the 38th episode of the Pokemon anime, Electric Soldier uh, Porygon, it used flashing lights that actually triggered uh, epileptic seizures among some of its younger viewers. This happened. The idea that a technical error in a Pokemon product could cause real-world tragedies, even if the error and subsequent tragedies were entirely unintentional, seems certainly believable once upon a time and now. Mind you, Pokemon fans did their best to help the rumor spread. <laughs> to provide proof of Lavender Town Syndrome, some people even posted videos of a Lavender Town beta theme, which is somehow even more unnerving than the official release. Others have provided spectrographs that translate the Lavender Town song's tones into pictures, which seemingly reveal that the hidden sprites of ghosts and several uh, ghosts like Pokemon arranged to spell out the words, leave now, and I've seen these, pretty convincing. Of course, the mere presence of Unown, sorry if I pronounce any of this stuff wrong, Unown, Unown, which didn't debut until, you know, Pokemon Gold and Silver, it calls these spectrographs into question, but what about the rest of their tale? The truth is, from what I've seen, no records of any such mass suicides or illnesses exist. The story... At face value, was a tall tale that someone just made up, blossomed on the internet, wormed its way into the cultural zeitgeist. Think Slender Man before Slender Man. Still, the official version of Lavender Town's song is unsettling enough to make these creepypastas seem plausible enough to dig into. Try reading the story with you know, while listening to that music. It puts a lump in your throat. And I think that lump is worth diving into. Because there's just something weird going on here. The other popular Lavender Town creepypasta, White Hand, revolves around the idea that there's an entity in Lavender Town that should never be seen by players' eyes. According to a popular rumor, one of the game's developers uh, worked on a Pokemon that only appears in Pokemon Tower, the titular White Hand. Unlike actual Pokemon, though, this creature is nothing more than a disembodied hand suffering from an advanced state of decay. The sprite's details are far more realistic and meticulous than any other element in the entire rest of the game, and the asset even features advanced animation several years before Crystal formally introduced that feature. As is creepypasta tradition, 
The animations make anyone who views them violently ill. Again, sound familiar? Of course, they say that you know, all footage and evidence of the animations have been lost to time. How convenient. But what self-respecting creepypasta would even end there? Now, according to Hearsay, White Hand was actually one of two assets meant exclusively for Pokemon Tower. The other was a trainer by the name of Buried Alive. As its name suggests, this NPC is a zombie that rises from the ground to challenge players to a Pokemon battle. This creepypasta states that Buried Alive was supposed to be Pokemon Tower's final challenge and the trainer used a Gengar, Muck, two white hands. If the player lost to Buried Alive, a special ending would play where he gurgled these words, finally fresh meat, followed by a unique game over screen that shows him eating the player character alive. What would happen if players won? Nothing. Literally nothing. The game would freeze, making it impossible to progress one way or another. The creepypasta ends with a suggestion that Buried Alive was replaced by the Marowak ghost. Given the many aspects of the story that defy common game design sense, <laughs> i.e., you know, intentional soft-locking and various anachronisms, animations in the first Pokemon game, you know what I mean, it's surprisingly easy to debunk some of the creepypasta stuff. As you've probably guessed... From what I've seen, no genuine evidence of the White Hands or Buried Alive has ever been discovered. Yet, you'll occasionally hear a fan swear that Lavender Town Syndrome and the White Hand are real. Some simply grew up with that information and haven't been able to shake it, some say, but others claim to have seen evidence of those horrors for themselves with their own eyes. Such claims don't make the stories any more true, but they do show that what makes Lavender Town so special may be legitimately terrifying. Or, <laughs> we can keep saying that, is something really happening here? Like I said, I, I think it was weird enough to study at least. As, see, as I said at the beginning of this show, there's a lot of dark corners of the Pokemon universe that I've discovered, man. <laughs> there's probably even more that I haven't seen. There are other intentionally supernatural locations in that universe, as well as some urban legends that go along with them. Lavender Town, I think, is very special. The rumors started to spread at a time when nobody was entirely sure which Pokemon rumors were real, right? Such as Mewtwo and Missing No, and which were simply legends. It was remarkably easy to believe in the possibility that Lavender Town was so much more sinister than its paper ghosts Halloween decoration vibes, <laughs> you know, would lead us to believe that it was. Those that open themselves up to that possibility, they might be shocked to realize that they still have room in their hearts and minds for the same possibilities all those years later. The thought of entering Lavender Town, or even just listening to the town's music or saying its name, sends a familiar thought to their brains that whispers, what if? Other Pokemon legends and creepypastas have come and gone, but the story of Lavender Town lingers in hearts and minds long after. Logic should have shined a light on one of the darker corners of this universe. I dove. 
I dove. <laughs> like I said, I did research into this thing, and it's really hard researching something that you never really got into, that you know absolutely nothing about. <laughs> but I did. I went back and played the games. I tried to trigger, you know, you know, you know, you fans know exactly what I'm talking about. I tried to trigger some of the Lavender Town things, you know, tried to trigger some of these bugs that supposedly crash your game or curse you or, yeah, I was playing with it. I broke one of my own rules. You know how I said never mess with that stuff? Well, I messed with it. Didn't find squat. So I'm thinking, okay. I'm not in the whole Pokemon zeitgeist, right? <laughs> I didn't grow up with it. This curse might not choose me. If I was a curse, I would definitely choose someone like me that normally had nothing to do with it. That would make somebody a believer, right? But it didn't, alas. Or thankfully, I should say. <laughs> like I said, I broke one of my own rules, you know. I never mess with curse things. I always tell you guys, don't screw with that kind of stuff. And here I am doing it. This story sounds very Polybius to me. And I dove and dove and dove, really jumped into it. I could find no documentation, no officially reported cases of anybody committing suicide, personality changes, any of that stuff after or even around the time they were playing Lavender Town. They were in that part of the game. Yes, the seizure thing was real. I found some websites that even questioned the seizure thing. That even questioned kids getting sick from a specific Pokemon episode. I did find documentation of that. Yeah, that actually did happen. That was not easy. <laughs> uh, you'll find some websites that say, well, there's no evidence of that. Either. Trust me, there is. I found plenty. There were kids that got sick watching a certain episode. Of the anime. This sounds... I, I just cannot shake the... I can't shake how similar this is to the Polybius legend. People getting sick, playing something. Right? The weird, almost conspiracy-like nature of it. But then, much like Polybius, it's tied to an actual event. Tied to an actual thing where people did get sick. People were, uh, what was it? They were, um, this was Gradius, Tempest, Centipede. People were playing these games for so long that they, seriously, this happens now, like even today. People would develop blood clots. They wouldn't eat. They would get sick. They would succumb to exhaustion playing these games. And if they were extremely sensitive, some of them ended up having seizures playing these games. And then it was tied into the whole... That was my phone. Uh, rule number one. <laughs> I don't like to cut, so I'm just going to say this. If you're a podcaster, make sure and silence your phone. Yeah, if you want to sound super professional like me. <laughs> God, sorry about that. I don't cut. So I'm just, we're just going to keep that in there. What was I saying? <laughs> that damn phone. Yeah, we're professional here. But it is. It's very Polybius to me. And it was tied to, you know, real world things. Now, I don't want to take this whole Lavender Town thing and be like, oh, it's just like Polybius, same thing's happening. You can't do that with everything. But man, when I'm seeing nothing tied into Lavender Town, when I'm not seeing anything, nothing official, no reports, no nothing, 
I can't shake the fact that this or the possibility that this might just be creepypasta material. Now, there are some people that swear that they were having nightmares when they were playing Lavender Town, that they were having weird stuff happen in their houses. One person I talked to said that when they were in that portion of the game growing up, things would fly off their walls, like shit would fall off the walls. They would leave the room. Cabinets would be open, like weird stuff. If this person genuinely remembers that, I'm not going to have words with them. (laughs) I'm not going to argue with them. I'm not going to say, well, you're... I'm not going to pull that Mandela effect yet, you know, or, you know, that false memory stuff. Don't do that to people. That's rude. Is that what it is? More than likely. But don't tell people that. It's not nice. (laughs) Yeah, Lavender Town is weird. It's creepy. There's something... I'll admit that. I'll say that right, without batting an eye. There's something very, very off about that part of the game. It's almost like you're playing something completely different. It's bizarre. Even the music that ended up on release. I'm playing this just being like, I was, I, I was, I wish I had, I wish I'd been streaming it <laughs> when I was playing it. Cause I was visibly, I was visibly shocked. I was just like, whoa, different game here. It was weird. Like, this thing went into a different freaking game, man. (laughs) Now that we're sitting here, I want to look up something. Uh, Let's see. Okay. I wanted to see what the official uh, verdict was as far as Lavender Town. from From the makers of the game, from Nintendo themselves, and everybody else. Uh, well, I want to see what the official explanation is because that, that really, you know, that really helps you out there. Okay. So yeah, this is exactly what I thought. The official explanation from Nintendo and everybody else, and I'll read it verbatim. A fabricated illness was dubbed Lavender Town Syndrome, as well as Lavender Town Tone, Lavender Town Conspiracy, and Lavender Town Suicides, and the original story went viral after being spread on general interest websites such as 4chan. This story is entirely untrue. They didn't make any link to people actually getting sick for real watching a certain thing. But the general consensus is... And considering what I did not find, evidence-wise, it's just a story, man. There are rumors, you know, that the tone used in Lavender Town caused a syndrome where kids played it, heard the tone, got sick and worse, eventually committed suicide. Uh, You can find Pokemon Tower in the Lavender Town where you can hunt ghosts. How true is this? Well, uh, it's not real. From what I've seen, it's an urban legend. Unfortunately, the internet loves itself a good urban legend and is really, really good at flying with them. Determining truth from fiction, especially for an event like this from 1996, can be extremely difficult, as I can attest. I've done it, this is the second time I've done it, with video game stuff. It was never mentioned on the anime itself, did not really become well-known until around 2010. That's the earliest mentions I can find of this, about 2010. This just goes without saying... If this was a thing, don't you think kids would have been reporting something as early as 1996? 
when you hear it retroactively, when you hear it after the fact and people are coming forward, oh, yeah, that freaked me out as a kid. Oh, yeah, just that, this, this, that. Well, where were you when you were a kid? <laughs> you know? I looked through the, uh, someone on the internet, God bless you, by the way. It took me back through memory lane, big time. Somebody scanned. They went back and took every issue of Nintendo Power and scanned the pages and put them online. You can read every single issue of Nintendo Power from back in the day. Whoever you are, you're a god among mortals, sir. That (laughs) did. It really took me back down memory lane. So part of my research was, I was like, oh, now that this exists, let's go check out Nintendo Power around this year's span and see if they mention anything about Lavender Town. Because if there was anything having to do with this, it would have appeared in Nintendo Power. Now, the conspiracy people say, oh, heck no. Nintendo would have put the squash on this immediately. Okay. I still have my game informers. <laughs> I do. I still have a bunch of my magazines from back then. As far as my childhood goes, I'm a pack rat. I kept a lot of that shit. I'm not seeing anything. Nothing. It's a MIDI that was run on two channels. This is called biannual effect. I know I'm saying that wrong. So that children wearing headphones would hear one thing out of one ear, one out of the other. Typical stereo. The two would theoretically combine in the brain to form a unique sound. The way the theme's multiple channels ran together, many children in the age range of 7 to 12. Now, this is a thing. This is why the Internet is so good at these. Because anywhere between the age range of 7 and 12, depending on... Certain frequencies, children can receive migraine headaches where adults wouldn't. There were not mass suicides over this from what I'm seeing. There is, there actually was an increase in 19, and seriously, in 1996, there was a massive increase in suicides. This is why, (laughs) it's another reason why these creepypastas are so inventive. They're so good. The good ones anyway. Because they take real-world things and mix them in there. And they stir the pot in such a way to where you're like, whoa. Yes, there was an influx of suicides in 1996. But from what I found, those were from adults. Because there was a major economic recession going on at the time. The real consequences of the music are not well recorded. One source I found states that many children suffered seizures. Two were hospitalized. Another said there were four deaths from children falling or getting chest pain from the intensity of the headaches. There's no evidence nor reports of a massive surge in child suicide as a result of this event, nor is there any substantial proof for these other reports. Yeah, there was that episode that caused seizures. I did find out that was true. These two events have been confused in such a way. Brilliant. Now... Here's the coup de grace here. Here's the, here's the kill shot. In order to decide if this was a thing or not, I thought, oh, the spectrogram thing. Okay. We can see if my theory holds up. I don't only record a podcast. I'm not just a member of the hair club for men, okay? I'm also the president. <laughs> I don't only record a podcast. I'm an audio engineer. I've been re- working in recording studios ever since I was a teenager. When most kids were talking about the newest Pokemon game, I was working in recording studios, learning how to mix and master stuff. That's just what I was into. I've been an audio engineer for a long time. I've made multiple albums with my band and myself, and I've been a producer on every one of them. I'm no Bob Rock, but I know my shit. 
Now, I heard the myth, you know, that there was that MIDI file, such as the frequency track in the shape of a ghost, as well as things spelling leave now, bizarre spectrogram things. I know how to use all this stuff. The Unown wasn't seen until 1999. Anyway, I, I decided to research it anyway, just in case. I pulled the original Cheyenne Tower, the Japanese name, you know, the theme song, which is only six minutes and 22 seconds. Confirmed that there is no strange, I can confirm this, as a studio engineer, as a sound engineer, oh, 20 plus years, there's no strange ghost anomaly in the frequency graph. There's nothing. Didn't see anything weird. I examined it. I looked at the EQ spike. I ran it through a spectrogram. There is nothing weird there. To summarize, sorry, but we got to debunk this one. <laughs> Straight up debunked. There is, it's, uh, and the reason why I'm stamping it is because of what this thing states. They said, Lavender Town Syndrome led to mass suicides, which it did not. It is true that the binaural headphone effect of the original music, so this is the thing. I took the audio that was heard at release yesterday when I was going to actually record this, instead, I was like, okay, we're going to push this off for another day. I want to hear the original audio because we do know that it was changed for the North American and European versions. We know this, which gives credence to some of this urban legend. Oh, they changed it. Yeah, they did. So I got the Japanese version too. Ran it through the spectrogram, ran it through audio analyzer, ran it through all that stuff, and I did actually find something there. Yes, I did. Those frequencies that you're not supposed to mix albums at, those big no-no frequencies that us studio engineers know about, there are certain frequencies like the dog whistle sound and all, and frequencies that don't even matter, that the human being the human ear can't even hear, but there are certain frequencies to where people of certain ages, seven through 12, if they listen to your music, you can make a seven to 12 year old throw up <laughs> listening to a song as a studio engineer. It's not going to happen to all of them. Some are susceptible to it. Some are not, but you can make a child sick based on if you boost certain frequencies in the music that was there actually in the original Japanese release. So if you were playing your game boy, and add your headphones in, I would say about 30% of the children, that's kind of high, 20, 20% of the kids playing it with the headphones would get sick. That's not substantial, but it's there. So yes, I did find something that this urban legend stated. But the reason I'm saying flat out debunked is because this states that there were mass suicides, there were behavioral changes, there were, that, that didn't happen, didn't happen. And it is glaringly obvious here that what we have is a very, very well-crafted creepypasta, <laughs> even better than Polybius, because this takes more real-world things. It doesn't rely on fiction really at all, which is brilliant. It's like a, uh, it's like an, it's like an ARG, beautifully crafted. But what it would have done it to me is finding something written or finding some kind of study or somebody, anybody mentioning it at the time that there was something wrong with Lavender Town, I don't see squat. The first mentions of it were from 2010. That means something. That has to have some kind of a meaning there. Now, I didn't stop there either. I analyzed the audio, right? 
when I started analyzing the audio, I told a couple people about it. They said, no, 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 man, you got to look at the Japanese audio. And then I thought, okay. And I found out that they had changed it. I was like, whoa, all right. <laughs> so I studied Japanese audio, not finding nothing. There was nothing in there, nothing that's going to make someone have behavioral changes, commit suicide, develop depression. Sorry, there's nothing there that's going to do that. But there does exist in the Japanese version a certain frequency in the audio that I, I, I like to call it the human dog whistle frequency that could potentially make a child sick. It's not going to happen in 100% of them. Is it going to cause a suicide? No. Just going to make your kid ill. Maybe they'll get dizzy. They might develop a migraine. They might hurl. They might pass out. That's it. This is one of the most finely crafted creepypastas I've ever seen. Well done, <laughs> whoever came up with this. Because it requires no shred of inventing anything. It just takes everything that already existed and it just kind of twists it a little bit. Well done. But it plays on that. I'm not, I'm not doubting that kids who played this growing up weren't creeped out by Lavender Town. Were you influenced by things that popped up on the internet later? In my opinion, I think so. I think so. Because well, I'll say again, where were you when back in 1996? You know, I didn't hear you on the news. I didn't read your report in Nintendo Power magazine or anywhere else. Right? <laughs> if it made you sick, where were you? No one heard from you. This could have been a major thing. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Even though it's debunked, I enjoyed this one. Lavender Town Syndrome. What do you guys think? Did I miss some crucial detail that would have blown this entire thing apart? Let me know. Make sure to go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things no, dis no disclosure and strange places related. I said the name of my other podcast. Well, there you go. Shameless plug. <laughs> of all things strange places related. And if you like yeah, weird news, kind of a comedy thing where I'm a lot more unhinged, yes, check out my other podcast, No Disclosure. Or if you're one of those cats that likes to go to the, you know, to support the shows, patreon.com slash asylum817, where you can get everything from bonus episodes, giveaways to certain tiers, ad-free episodes. I got to mention that. I love my ad-free. Shout out to the patrons who do contribute, by the way, the, couple, the Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson. I appreciate you guys. This podcast will not be around if it wasn't for you. And I do want to give a special thanks to all the Pokemon fans out there, the ones who aren't going to hunt me down and kill me for anything that I said incorrectly. <laughs> I think Pokemon is cool. I had fun playing it. So there you go. If I pronounce anything weird, I sincerely apologize. But anyway, guys, I'll catch you later. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you in Season 3. Now, are we ever going to run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place... And maybe one day, we'll visit yours. The Strange Places Podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer, 
And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support Strange Places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men in their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience.